go. Welcome to the Morning Brewers Stew. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking. And I haven't done a solo show in a while. I've had a lot of guests on. I've had Zach McKinnell on. I've had Couch Coach. I've had Jay Stevens. I've had Jeff. I've had some, you know, I've had Jerg on. I've had a lot of guests, but I haven't done a solo show in seven episodes. But with it being Christmas week, I'm not going to ask a guest to come on. Instead, I'm going to do it by myself. And I missed doing this by myself. And so I want to, there's a bunch of things I want to talk about. And a bunch of things that I want to address. Let's start with this. Sometimes people are so successful at one thing that they think they can go do something else. In the same field. For instance, sometimes a broadcaster is so great and so good that he thinks he can go and do marketing or sales or or advertising, right? Something that has to do with broadcast. It may not be as great. Sometimes you could be so good at selling insurance that you think, man, I could go and sell medical supplies. And medical equipment. And you're not so great. And sometimes you could be one of the best college football coaches of all time. And you go to the NFL. And just like Chip Kelly. Just like many others. You fail. Nick Saban. The greatest college football coach of all time. Couldn't make it work in the NFL. Couldn't make it work in the NFL. He's the greatest college football coach of all time. And he couldn't make it work. So let me preference that by saying Urban Meyer was the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I said was. He got fired. And I said from the beginning, Urban Meyer did not need the NFL. Do you remember when I said this? This. You got to be careful. Because when you go and you chase the dragon, when you go and you chase that, that, that mountaintop, and you're chasing, man, this is what it could be like. And the grass is always greener on the other side. Then you get to the other side and the grass ain't so green. There's, there's dry grass. Looks like it hasn't been mowed in years. And you get there, you're like, man, I wish I'd have gone back there. And I talked about how the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And I was right. It wasn't always greener on the other side. It wasn't greener in Jacksonville. Things weren't great in Jacksonville. It starts off by hiring Chris Doyle. And you remember when he hired Chris Doyle? I said he didn't get it. He didn't get it. He didn't understand is what I said Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer didn't get it. He doesn't understand what it takes to work in the league. He had to fire Urban Meyer. He had to basically ask Chris Doyle to resign. Then he brings in Tim Tebow. And you know, that's one thing, whatever. But he brings in Tim Tebow, turns him into a tight end, and not only does the media attack him, but the people in his own locker room, the people in his own locker room, 
didn't like the fact that he brought in Tim Tebow, a guy who had not played in the league since 2012. He had not played in the league in like nine years or something. And they brought him in as a tight end. Now, I didn't see the issue that everyone else saw. That's not what this is about. The fact that his locker room had an issue with it. The fact that he had hired before that a racist coach. The fact that before that Ohio State, he stood up for Zach Smith, who knowingly beat his wife, and Urban knew it. The fact that before that, there was all this stuff with Aaron Hernandez and the Florida Gators. And Urban Meyer, all this time, the only time we ever really said, you know, this is kind of Urban's fault, may have been the whole Zach Smith thing. Hiring Chris Doyle, you could say, well, you know, he didn't really know what he was doing. You know, it was the first time he made a mistake, whatever. He ran illegal practices after he signed Tim Tebow. You know, it doesn't really, doesn't really know what he's doing. He's a new head coach, whatever. He not only did he not only signed Tim Tebow, he also made people think that there was a quarterback competition between the greatest prospect we had seen coming out of the draft since Andrew Luck and Gardner Minshew, who is backing up Jalen Hurts. And he tried to convince you there was a real quarterback battle. Then the season goes on, you know, Jags lose, whatever. And then Urban decides one night not to go back home with the team. Instead, Urban decides to, you know, stay and go to his own restaurant where there he's caught with a younger woman. Where there, you know, he's caught cheating on his family. Not only that, not only that, but Urban Meyer left the team, let the team fly by themselves so he could, what, potentially get it in? Because that's what he wanted to do was was get it in with a younger woman? Doesn't sound like an NFL head coach to me. Bill Belichick would never do that. You don't see Cliff Kingsbury, who was, you know, black, who was torn apart in the media by everybody in the brother when he got hired. Because he was like 4-6 and six at Texas Tech and never won anything. And he had the best team at one point in time in the NFC in the Arizona Cardinals. He's won 10 games this year with the Arizona Cardinals. He drafted Kyler Murray number one overall when they already had Josh Rosen, who was deemed to be a really good quarterback and only played one season. Then Urban Meyer comes out and he he tells his, his coaches that they have to prove that they're winners. He calls them losers. He gets in a fight with the only real veteran presence you have in the locker room in Marvin Jones. Then you kick a kicker. You kick a kicker. And you get kicked, essentially kicked out of the lead and fired. Now, Urban's going to go back to coaching. Urban's maybe college, and Urban may get a TV job. That's what it is. But I tried to tell you. I tried to tell everyone. I told everyone before he even got hired. Before he put pen to paper. I said it wouldn't work for Urban Meyer. I said it wouldn't work. And it didn't work. See here's the thing. Sometimes. When you're so successful at something. 
and you lose, you don't really know how to handle losing, you know? When you first get that taste of losing, you don't really know how to lose. Urban didn't know how to lose. Urban had never tasted it before. Urban thought, you know, I have an 85% win percentage in college football. I'm one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. I won multiple national championships. I've put together more winning seasons than numerous of head coaches ever have. He comes to Jacksonville, he wins two games. Doesn't know how to doesn't know how to lose. The world's collapsing around him. He has five years, Urban. You have five years. You signed a five-year deal, Urban Meyer, and it didn't work. It didn't work. Hey, I can't help it. Not my fault. Urban didn't know how to lose. And that's what happens when you hire these college coaches, Chip Kelly's of the world, some of these others that don't know how to lose. And then they go to college and they start, or they go to the NFL and they start losing. They don't know how to handle it. So then they run with their tails between their legs. I've never seen a head coach be the reason for his team being in the paper for drama as much as I have with Urban Meyer. Listen, Urban's gone. And I'm done talking about this after, after this. I'm done talking about it. Urban's gone. Good riddance. But all I have to say is I tried to tell you. I, I tried to tell you before he even got hired that it wasn't going to work. All right, so then I want to move on. And I want to talk about the Indianapolis Colts. You know, as a Colts fan, I've watched this team play all year. I've watched this team play for the, for the majority of my 24 years that I've been around. And the Colts and Jonathan Taylor are cooking. Right now. But they have a tough game coming up. On Christmas. Versus the Arizona Cardinals. And I know the Cardinals. They fell or were trailing to the Lions. By like double digits at halftime. Or whatnot, Whatever. I know. I know. But I'm telling you. you you've not watched the Colts long enough. If you think that the Colts are just going to run right in here. And run all over. The Arizona Cardinals. I'll feel more comfortable about the Colts' the Colts season after this game. Especially if they win. If they win this game, I'll feel a heck of a lot more comfortable about this team and their chances in the playoffs and whatnot than I do right now. Than I do right now, to be honest with you. Because I watch this Colts team and I'm a big Carson Wentz guy. And I'm going to put together another podcast at some point at the end of the season. I'm going to sh- explain to everyone why I was right about Carson Wentz. Because right now, Carson's proving exactly what I said Carson would be. But this ain't about Carson Wentz. It's about the Colts. The Colts are one of the best defenses in the league in takeaways. But I would argue the Colts are also one of the best defenses in the league at giving up drives at the last second of games when you need to win. The Colts don't know how to finish teams very often. I think they've only done it once this year. And that was Buffalo, where they really capped it off and really finished. They let the Patriots last week come right back in. If it wasn't for a big run by Jonathan Taylor, the Patriots might have won that game. They were up. 
huge on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they came back and lost the game because they didn't know how to finish. They didn't know how to finish. And yet they lost again to another team. If the Colts are going to do anything in the playoffs, they're going to have to figure it out. Because I'm telling you, offensively, it's Jonathan Taylor and not much else. If if Jonathan Taylor gets shut down and the corners can shut down and a corner shuts down Michael Pittman, it gets very hairy as to what happens from that point on with that Colts offense. Listen, I, I love Carson Wentz, but there's not much for him to work with outside of Michael Pittman. That's the weak side of the Colts on their offensive side of the football is the wide receiving core. I mean, T.Y. Hilton, okay, but T.Y.'s only had one good game, and it was against Houston a while back. Since then, he hasn't really put together a good team or a good game, really, and it's not really anything that you know I look at and say, well, that's something you could build off of. I mean, sure, he's had some games out of Jack Doyle every now and then. Sure, there's been some games out of, you know, you know, Mo Allen Cox every now and then, but the Colts as a whole don't have much offensively. And if Frank Reich does what Frank Reich did versus Tampa Bay, where, you know, he took the ball out of Jonathan Taylor's hands the entire third quarter, the Colts don't stand a chance in the playoffs. They'll be one and done if they make the playoffs. They won't, they won't stand a chance. So I look at the Colts, and I look at their team, and I look at them as a team, and I think this is a team that can be dangerous if they get into the playoffs. I really do. I think this is a team with the best takeaway defense in the league. They force turnovers like nobody else. And a really, really strong running game, which at this point in time of the year is what you need. Is to, you know, take the ball away, all this stuff. And that's kind of how the Philadelphia Eagles won when they won with Nick Foles. But... I don't know what the Colts have at the wide receiver position. And you don't know what Frank Reich is going to bring when Frank Reich is your head coach. Listen, I have no problem with sometimes putting your nutsack in the wheelbarrow and going for it on fourth and inches. I have no problem with that. But what I have a problem with is the play calls, the, the decisions he makes when he decides to do that, that result negatively for the Indianapolis Colts. That's the problem I have. That's the issue I have. That's where I struggle to find something positive out of what Frank Reich can do at times. Listen, I think Frank Reich's a fantastic head coach. But Frank Reich is also the, is the Achilles tendon to this Indianapolis Colts Team, like I, I just think he's the, he's the downfall of this team at times. Him and the fact that they don't have much at the wide receiver position. So I do think the Colts are on a hot streak and they're cooking and this is what you need. But the question becomes, at what point can you rely on somebody like Carson Wentz with the limited amount of receivers that he has to bail you out and win, win you a game and or two in the playoffs? We'll see. We'll see. Listen, I love this Colts team. I am super stoked at the way that they've been playing. And so, yeah. I think it's fantastic at the way that the Colts have been playing this year. 
All right, I want to transition into this. Speaking of the Colts, let's talk about Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, in my opinion, is the league MVP. And I say that because of this. And I heard someone say the other day that running back, that Jonathan Taylor is not even the most valuable player on his team. Oh, really, he's he's not. Jonathan Taylor is not the most valuable player on his team. They said, no, it was it was probably Darius Leonard. You take Darius Leonard off the Colts, and that Colts team's still good. And that Colts team is probably still where they are. You take Carson Wentz off the Colts, they're probably still the same. You take this guy off the Colts, they're probably still the same. You take anybody off the Colts except for, like, Quentin Nelson, and they're still the same. But you cannot, I repeat, cannot take Jonathan Taylor away from this Colts team. They will fail. How did it work with, with the Colts when they had Marlon Mack? Oh, 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 yeah, not too well. Oh, how did it work for the Colts when they, uh, when versus Tampa Bay, they went away from Jonathan Taylor and they handed the ball off to Naheem Hines because, you know, Jonathan Taylor is so expendable. He can be replaced easily, right? And that's what everyone says, right, about Jonathan Taylor. What happened when they took him out and they handed the ball off to Naheem? Oh, yeah. N- nothing. Nothing happened because they couldn't run the football. They put Jonathan Taylor in there in the fourth quarter, and you start to see this team start cooking again. And you're like, all right, where was this in the third? Jonathan Taylor is the MVP, in my opinion, because Jonathan Taylor, through 14 games this year, has done more with Jonathan Taylor so far through 14 games this season. Has over 42 more rushing yards and eight more touchdowns than Adrian Peterson did in 2012 at the same point. And Adrian Peterson in 2012 won the league MVP over guys like Aaron Rodgers who threw for over 4,600 yards and 39 touchdowns over guys like Peyton Manning who threw for over 4,600 yards and 37 touchdowns. You can argue and say, well, Jonathan Taylor has not been better than Tom Brady. And you're right, but I don't know. Did you see Jonathan? Did you see Tom Brady playing the saints? He looked like Blake Bortles out there. I'm sorry. He just did turn the football over while he was running with the football. Oh, did you see him that pick he threw versus uh, the saints? Oh yeah. He, he looked real nice versus the Saints. You're right there. Listen, nothing is Tommy's to go. Whatever. And he's leading the league in touchdowns and all this good stuff. But Jonathan Taylor right now. And, and Adrian Peterson went on the rush and nine yards away from setting the rushing record. And Jonathan Taylor keeps going the way he's going. At this point, according to what the stats I just read you, he has 1854, 1854 yards with 19 total touchdowns. At this point, Adrian Peterson had 1812 yards and 11 total touchdowns. At this point, Jonathan Taylor is on pace to break whatever rushing mark Adrian Peterson set at that point. He's probably going to shatter it. So in my opinion... He is the league MVP. And you can argue, and I hear it all the time, how quarterbacks are more valuable than running backs, but take Jonathan Taylor off the Colts, and the Colts are a worse team than they are right now. The only thing the Colts have going for them, 
positive right now at this point is, is Jonathan Taylor. They do have a good defense, but Jonathan Taylor is the best player on that team. Bar none. No questions asked. You cannot convince me otherwise. So there's my spiel. Jonathan Taylor should be the league MVP. And I'm going to have more to say on the Indianapolis Colts. I don't want to jinx them. But they've looked really good. And I remember, actually, hang on. Let me let me actually talk about the Colts for a minute. I remember when the Colts started the year off versus the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams, right? And they went 0-2, and then they played the Titans. They went 0-3, and then they beat the Dolphins. They were 1-3, and then they beat the... The, or then they lost to the Ravens after having a big lead and they fell to 1-4. and four. I remember everyone counting the Colts out and all this garbage and blah, 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 blah. The Colts are now the fifth seed in the playoffs. And if the Titans continue to choke, could very well easily be the second seed in the playoffs. They went on to beat teams like Buffalo. They were up at the half by multiple scores on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They just beat the number one seed in the AFC in the New England Patriots. And we'll see how they do versus the Arizona Cardinals. But I remember when everyone was telling me after they were 1-4 and four that this is not a good team and that the Colts are bad and they're terrible and all this other stuff. And then the Colts turned it on. And yes, they caught some breaks. And yes, they beat some easy teams. But the Bills are not a bad team. The number one team in the AFC is not a bad team. I'm telling you. I I, I don't mean to be so obnoxious and so like, look at the Colts, look at the Colts, look at the Colts. But to be honest, they were crapped on at the beginning of the year. They were looked down upon. They were laughed at. They were made fun of. They were told, this is supposed to be a championship caliber team. They can't win games. And what have they done? They've turned it around. So we'll see. We'll see what they do in the playoffs. So I want to talk about this. Every great once in a while, there's a high school quarterback that comes through and gets all this hype, right? Jimmy Clausen. Remember him? Uh, He was so good coming out of high school that, you know, every school in the country wanted him. Every school in the country. He decided to go to Notre Dame. Decided to go to Notre Dame. He was good at so good at Notre Dame. It looked so good as far as form and delivery and release and stuff that er, that at one point Mel Kiper said that if this guy's not a superstar, I'll retire. That's what Mel Kiper said once. Mel Kiper actually said that. Then there's guys like Andrew Luck who comes out of the high school. He could have gone anywhere he wanted. And there's guys like Trevor Lawrence that come out of high school. And guys like Quinn Ewers that are so good that can go anywhere that they want to go, play anywhere that they want to play. Quinn Ewers quit. That's what he did. You know, when when Jay Stevens first said that on my podcast a couple weeks ago, I was a little like, you know, taken aback that he used the word quit. But as he explained, and as I began to think about it, he's right. He quit. He quit. And then he goes to Ohio State early to get millions of dollars. And then he quits there too because C.J. Stroud had a good year, a Heisman Trophy type year. And so what's he do? He transfers. Where does he go? He goes back home to Texas 
where he gets another bag. He's going to get another million dollars. This is very familiar to me because you remember when coming out Josh Rosen. You remember Josh Rosen? Josh Rosen was a very, very good tennis player. And when he came out, everyone was talking about, you know, how he his real love was tennis. What he really loved was tennis. They questioned how much they loved, he loved football. But he got hurt. He couldn't play tennis anymore. Focused on the on football, whatever. Became really good at football because he couldn't play tennis anymore. If you don't think for one second that Quinn Ewer is going to Texas is not going to cause questions about whether he loves the game of football, you're wrong. Especially if he doesn't live up to the hype. This is a guy who came out and people were comparing him to Trevor Lawrence. They were saying he was the highest graded kid coming out of college or out of high school since Trevor Lawrence. They compared him to Trevor Lawrence, who's been compared to guys like Andrew Luck. And so you compare him to guys like Trevor Lawrence, so that means no doubt we expect this kid to be playing in the league. But what if he comes out and he doesn't? What if he sinks up to join at Texas? I'm not sure Quinn Ewers really loves football. I think he went to Texas to get the bag. Because it's Texas. It's Vince Young. It's the Longhorns. It's Matthew McConaughey being a teacher there. At one point. I don't know if he still is, but at one point he was. It's home. It's comfort. It's Texas football. That's like the Dallas Cowboys. That's Texas football. We'll see. I can tell you this. You know the old saying, everything's bigger in Texas? That includes the expectations. Especially when you're a hometown boy and you tear it up on the high school circuit and you're expected to be a high school or a college superstar and you leave Ohio State to go to the back. Listen, I have no problem with anybody getting their getting their money. Go get your money. I don't care. I'm all for college athletes getting paid. I don't care. Get your money. Why not? The rest of us can. Go get your money. But it's the way Quinn Ewers did it that I have a question about. It's the way Quinn Ewers did it. He quit on Ohio State. The going got tough, and he got going. That's what it was. Quinn Ewers didn't stick around, battle it out with C.J. Stroud, and lose. Nah, man. He said, I want no piece of C.J. Stroud, and he left. If Quinn Ewers is as good as advertised, he would have had no problem walking in, going toe-to-toe with Quinn Ewers in camp and in the spring game and in training camp. And if he lost, then I can understand transferring. But he was too scared to even face C.J. Stroud, and he transferred. I don't have a problem with the transfer portal. I'm not one of these old men, get off my lawn. I don't like the transport transfer portal. It's becoming the, the NFL free agency. I don't like all of that. Nah, man. Nah, I don't like all that. I'm not like that. But what I am like and what I do know is this. That if you don't think for a minute people are going to look at Quinn Ewers and question whether he really loves football, especially if it doesn't go well in Texas, I think you have a lot to learn about the NFL and a lot to learn about the game of football. 
because there's a lot of expectations more now on Quinn Ewers than there were when he was at Ohio State. I promise you that because Ohio State's actually won national championships in the last like decade, unlike Texas, who's barely been relevant. So, yeah, that's my spiel on Quinn Ewers. That's it. That's all I got to say about Quinn Ewers. Hey, I enjoyed this episode. This was maybe the best episode I've I've. This is one of my favorite episodes, shall I say, that I've enjoyed and that I've done a long, long time. I I really, really hope you guys liked this episode. I got back to my old roots, back to my old ways. There'll be a guest on next week. Zach McKennell will join. Um, We're going to preview college football, the college football playoffs. I may also do a, a solo podcast that week as well to talk about Cincinnati and kind of give my thoughts on the college football playoffs. I may actually I may do a quick thoughts on that, and it may be a longer quick thoughts, so it may be about twenty minutes as opposed to you know the usual ten that I give. But yeah, I've enjoyed this. I enjoyed doing this. Um, so if you if you were listening, please listen to me. Share this with your friends. Uh, this has been really great. I enjoy doing these podcasts. I can only share them so much on social media. I truly believe it's you guys that can do the rest and help this podcast grow. So please do that. Please share with your friends. Please help the podcast grow and uh, have a good day. Good night. Good afternoon. Whatever it is, you have a good one.